Good morning, everyone. It is uh, good to see you. Thank you for being here. You know, I have to give a quick shout out to apartment 3F. That's where my son is. I know he's uh, watching this morning, so uh, he said he was going to tune in. Uh, thanks, thanks for being a part of what we're doing here. I don't know if, you, if you're like me. Have you ever felt like you've been sort of in this twilight zone experience? And, uh, you know, you, you get on a jumbo jet, and the captain comes on and says, Welcome to flight 2020. Uh, buckle up, because there's going to be turbulence. <laughs> that's, that's kind of how this year has gone, hasn't it? It's a crazy time and an uncertain time. And, uh, and all kinds of, in all kinds of ways. I mean, there's the pandemic and all those things that we know about, but then there's the individual things that people are going through. And, and uh, just yesterday I was with a family that was struck by this storm. And I mean, it's just, we helped clean up uh, and it's all this stuff. And, and I, we're just reminded again that Jesus never said this is going to be a smooth ride, right? He said, in this world, you will have trouble. But fear not, I have overcome the world, and I am with you. That's the promise. In fact, in this midst of this uncertainty and in the midst of challenges and all of this stuff that we have had to face, I think we're being reminded again that God is inviting us to, even in the midst of that, to thrive and to flourish. In fact, the early church in spite of all the hardships that they faced, they found a way to thrive and to flourish. And so over the next four weeks, we're simply going to call out some characteristics or traits of what it means to be a follower of Jesus and to be able to be people who are people of hope. That's what we're going to talk about today. Or people of courage or people of humility or people who are willing to persevere in the midst of hardship. And what does that look like? So we're going to talk about hope today. I think all of us could probably good, use a good dose of hope. But I'm curious, how would you define hope? You know, we often talk about hope or we use that word, but how would you define hope? You know, I had a perfect uh, definition of hope, and that was uh, because I'm a, a Cubs fan. It's a Cubs fan in, in the spring, right? I mean, always so hopeful, I mean, wishful, and, and just wanting the best. But yes, usually our, our hopes were dashed by about July or August, right? And occasionally they'd tease us into uh, September or whatever. And then, and then 2016 happened, and it was glorious. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. It, was, it was glorious, Right? They did an amazing thing. They came back from a 3-1 deficit. They forced a game seven. They were up, and then they, got, they left the lead go, and then there was a rain delay, and then this epic ninth inning, and they won. And it was amazing. Hope is being a Cubs fan. It killed the curse, right? 108 years. Cubs fan in spring. Well, some people look at, at hope using symbols. Maybe it's like a light at the end of a tunnel or a way of escape. Some people think of it maybe as a, as a stream or a flower in the desert, right? This hopeful kind of picture. Or maybe it's a rock or an anchor in a storm. I don't know, what, how would you define hope? What is hope for you? Well, for this morning, I simply want to talk about it this way, but before I say that, I know that there is great power in hope. 
In fact, I was reminded of an article that I read way back in 2013. I kept the article because I was struck by it. It was in Psychology Today. And it was written by a doctor. I don't think he's a Christian, but, but he had these words to say. These are his words. He says, if I could find a way to package and dispense hope, I would have a pill more powerful than any antidepressant on the market. <laughs> so hope is Xanax, right? No, hope is often the only thing between, he goes on to say, the only thing between man and the abyss. As long as a patient individual, or a victim has hope, they can recover from anything and everything. To have hope is to empower yourself in order to face the toughest of times and emerge a survivor. So what is hope? Well, for this morning, this is what I would like to suggest. What is hope? Hope is a confident expectation in a future reality, in fact, maybe even a preferred future reality. A confident expectation that there's something better ahead, that there's something good to be had. And in order to kind of explore what that means for us as followers of Jesus, I want to look at two passages of Scripture. One is from 1 Peter, and the other is from Ephesians. Now, both of these passages, I think, are important passages when it, when it speaks about this idea of hope. But the unique thing to me is, is the authors of these passages. Of course, one is Peter. Peter didn't actually probably write it. He had a friend who actually wrote it for him. But there's Peter, and then there's Paul, who wrote the Ephesians passage that we're going to look at. Now, I don't know if you know this, but when those books were written... Both of them were in prison. In fact, both of them were in Rome in prison. And both of them eventually went to their death in Rome. They were killed by the same emperor of Rome. And so how in the world can a person like Peter or Paul face all the hardship that they did and yet speak of a hope that they, that they had, this confident expectation? Well, we get some clues as we read these passages. So I want to read 1 Peter first. And it says this. It's just a couple of verses. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Peter writes. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith, faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. And then I want to read from Ephesians chapter 1. This is Paul. He's writing from a prison too. And, he, and he's praying a prayer for those who would read this. Starting at verse 18, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. And then he describes it. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Wow. So, what is hope? It's this confident expectation 
in a preferred future or reality. And Peter and Paul kind of explore that and say, why can, why can we have this hope? Well, this hope, first of all, first and foremost, is based on the resurrection of Jesus, is what they both say. Peter says, he's given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In fact, he says this, it's secured, this hope is secured by the greatest event in human history, something that happened. And we base our hope on something that Jesus did. You know, we know that on the cross, Jesus dealt with this sin problem, but in the resurrection, he also dealt with a death problem. And Jesus was raised from the dead. In fact, the, the reality of the resurrection is what transformed Peter and Paul and their life. And it continues to transform people through generations. This idea that, that Jesus was a sort of first fruits. That he gave us new life. He birthed new life for us. Our hope is found in the resurrection of Jesus. Now not only does Peter say it's the resurrection, this reality, this fact that, that Jesus rose from the dead, but Paul kind of expounds on that. He said this, he said it's not just the resurrection, but it's the power of the resurrection. The power that rose Jesus from the dead is the same power that's accessible to, to us, to those who believe, and we too can experience the power of the resurrection. Now that is amazing. Think about that. How many of you couldn't use the power of the resurrection in your life? Resurrection power in your life. I think about that. I think about Dot Hippen, who's in Allen Hospital right now with a rare form of botulism from canning peaches. The strangest is she's fighting for her life. That's 2020 for you, right? Or Jackson Henson, who had this freak accident and is, is working his way through paraly a, a paralyzing event in his life. He could certainly use resurrection power. Or Tyler Smith and the whole Smith family and who, who just had a bone marrow transplant and his sister was the donor. I mean, think about them. They could use resurrection power, couldn't they, right now? Or I think about the mom or the dad who's praying for their son and daughter or been praying. Do you need to be reminded that as you pray, you are in effect unleashing the power of the resurrection in your son or your daughter's life? I believe that. That's hope. Do you need to be reminded, you who are struggling in your marriage, that death is not too much for Jesus. Death is not too much. Or for those of you who are held in the death grip of, of an addiction, death is not too much for Jesus. There is resurrection power. Or for those who are sitting alone in their home and facing despair and heartache and hurt and wondering, is this it? Is this all there is? There is resurrection power. 
Hope is found in the resurrection. What Jesus did and what he can do. That's where our hope lies. Even more than that, Peter goes on to say this. Our hope is not only found in this event, this, the greatest event in human history, this transforming, this life-changing thing that happened. That's already done. It's nothing we did. It's what Jesus did and what he can do in us. It's also Peter and Paul, they both say, it's this incredible treasure. Our hope is based on this amazing treasure. That's where we find hope. He says this. Let me just read Paul first. In Ephesians, I love what he says. I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Or Peter says it this way. He's given us new birth into a living hope and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. I love the descriptive words. It's imperishable. It's not subject to death or decay. Creation is in bondage, and yet... It will not decay. There's a treasure that will never go away. Or it's undefiled, he says. It's unstained by sin. It's an image back to the Old Testament. And and the people of God would have recognized it, that, that you can't go worship the Lord if you're defiled. No, there's not such a thing. This treasure is undefiled. It's pure. It's holy. And it's unfading. Unlike any earthly treasure... You know, this is, this is the word that I like to remember. You know, it doesn't lose its new car smell. It's always beautiful. It's unfading. It is the promise of heaven, isn't it? This inheritance, this incredible uh, treasure. In fact, he goes on to say, and it's kept in heaven for you. I love the word kept in heaven. It's like one Greek word. It's this idea that there's a completed past action. It's already been done. There's something that's waiting for you and me. Wow. <laughs> and one day, it's going to be revealed in all of its glory and fullness. Kept in heaven for you. You know, one of the things that uh, I'll never forget as a young pastor, I actually, I, I finished seminary at, uh, in Trinity in, in Deerfield, and uh, my wife and I were called to a ministry in Fort Wayne, Indiana. I was, um, so we joined a, a small little church plant I met on the southwest side of Fort Wayne, and they were meeting in a, in a high school auditorium at the time. And the reason that I was able to go there and, and join in with them is that there was a very generous donor who loved to bless not just that church, but lots of churches. And uh, I got to meet him. Uh, he was a very interesting guy. He was one of these um, rags-to-riches story. He grew up very poor in rural Missouri. He was actually a pastor's kid. And... Um, he ended up in Des Moines working as a steel worker, and then he heard about this, this new franchise called Pizza Hut uh, that was coming out, and he purchased one, and he moved to Fort Wayne, and he became incredibly successful, and he built this 
amazing business. And when I had met him, he was sort of towards the end of his, his career. He was thinking about his legacy. He was thinking about this, I would call it his, his book of wealth, if you will, and what to do with that. He was trying to say, well, how am I going to pass on this legacy? And in the meantime, I got actually to know his son. His son was attending the church and and his son was a great guy, and we, we, we hit it off and became friends. But here's the interesting thing. I didn't know this, but, but most of his young adult life and teenage years, uh, his son was in total rebellion <laughs> and, and just despised his father and despised this, this position that he was in, and he, he rebelled in every way you can imagine. But by the time I met him, he was actually in a different kind of place. He'd He'd renewed a relationship with God. He'd he'd actually come to grips with the fact that, you know what? I'm in a place of privilege. And because of that place of privilege, he started to begin to think, how can I be more purposeful? How can I be more responsible? How could I be more caring and compassionate? How could I be generous? And so it began to change his life. He began to live a different kind of way because he knew that he had been given an incredible gift. And he knew that he was the heir to this inheritance. I wonder, friends, was that why Peter and Paul could be so heroic and face hardship and face death? Because they knew something greater was coming. Something their eyes had never seen, nor their minds could imagine. They believed that they had an inheritance from the Lord, kept in heaven for them. Can that motivate us to be more generous, more kind, more purposeful? in how we live. Peter says this, also about hope. This hope is based on this inheritance that we have, but he says, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. He says, by faith we're shielded by God's power So hope is found, is based not only on on this treasure, but it's also based on God's protection. That in this life, God will protect us. He'll provide a shield, if you will. I always think of this verse, and then my mind kind of goes in weird places. I love, you know, superheroes, so my first thought was uh, Captain Marvel, you know, Captain America, I should say, and his shield. You know, the awesome, indestructible shield that he had. And I'm thinking, wow, that's a picture, isn't it? that God is going to protect us until the day that he calls us to reveal the inheritance that we would have. That's a promise that he will be our shield. He will be our protector, our guardian, if you will. Well, there's a reason to hope. Suddenly, I don't need to fear. I know God is with me. In fact, I know God is protecting me. I know God is is going to go out and fight my battles with me and for me. 
You know, you don't get a, a shield to avoid the battle. You actually get a shield so that you can enter the fray. To know that this life and in this world there are troubles and there are hardships and hurt and hard things to go through. And yet to know that God is with you. He's protecting you. Hope is secured by God's protection. God's protection. He's with you. Don't be afraid. So what does this all mean for us today? Well, probably lots of things. I don't know. A couple things that I was thinking of. I was reminded that the, the, the reformer, Martin Luther, he said this. He, we live for two days, he said. We live for this day in all its joy and hardship and suffering and pain and sorrow. And we live for that day. That day where it will be revealed all of God's glory, his goodness, his love, his inheritance, his treasure that's kept in heaven for us. We live for two days, for this day and for that day. It's like the Apostle Paul said, to live is Christ and to die is gain. To know him and to be known by him and to be sure that we have been given these amazing gifts. So what can that do? Can we be more grateful, more generous, more responsible, more purposeful? Can we be bold and not fearful? Can we know that God will be with us? He's protecting us. He's walking with us all along the way. Can we remember that? And can we be more loving and kind and patient? We have this privileged position as followers of Jesus. We have hope. <laughs> Wherever you find yourself, the power of the resurrection, this promised treasure, this amazing promise that God will protect and be with us and walk with us wherever we are. I think we just need to remind ourselves of that over and over again, don't we? Let's come before the Lord together. Let's pray. God, sometimes we just need to, a good reminder of who we are and what you've done for us. Thank you for loving us, for going to the cross for us, but also rising from the dead. Lord, remind us again of your power and your promise. Lord, may we live into this idea that we are hopeful people because of what you've done and what you've provided. Lord, wherever we need your hope, Lord, just hear us. Hear us as we cry out. Would you meet us? 
in that place. And by your spirit, would you fill us with hope? I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.